Let's take our Bibles back where we left off as we're preaching verse by verse through the book of Jude, please. We're in the end of the chapter with some most serious, I believe, instructions for the church in these last days that we live in. And we're looking at all these ING words that the Holy Ghost puts in here to remind us of what we need to do while the world is crumbling around us, how we can find help from God in the midst of apostasy. We looked in verse number 20 about building up ourselves on our most holy faith. We looked at praying in the Holy Ghost. And then tonight we're in verse number 21, and I'll just get the first phrase of that. It's not that we that I can't preach quicker through this. I just think we need to slow down. I think some of these things are so profound and important in our lives that many times we read over them. And the phrase in verse 21 is so simple. The Bible says, keep yourselves in the love of God. Do you remember what Jesus said? Because iniquity will abound, the love of many will wax cold. Do you remember that phrase? You are living in the day where iniquity is abounding. And the love that is waxing cold, he's not talking about the people out there because they never loved God. He's talking about people that do have a love for God. So the more wicked a generation is, the more apostate things become, then the easier it is just by default for us to fall out of love with the Lord Jesus. So he says, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, and some have compassion, making a difference. And others saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and ever. Amen. As we look at our text, it says, keep yourselves in the love of God. I was in a meeting, uh, I don't know, some time ago, and I was preaching from the book of Jude, actually. God laid on my heart to bring it up. And someone was talking about the fact that they didn't think that this epistle was for the church. And so I started going through all the places in the epistle that could only be, it could only be applicable to the church. But one of the things that was brought up was verse 21. And they said, see, you know, this is written to another group of people that could lose their salvation. Because right there it says, keep yourselves in the love of God. And I, I thought to myself, how do you read from the phrase, keep yourselves in the love of God, keep yourselves saved? <laughs> I think that's two different phrases. <laughs> the person, what he was trying to say was that he was interpreting that little phrase to mean that I am to keep God loving me. I've got news for you. (laughs) You're not going to keep God in love with you. (laughs) 
Isn't that a strange mentality how somebody would have that there are things that I could do that God would say, okay, I've just got, I've just got to love you. <laughs> That's impossible to earn the love of God. You can't do it. And that's, the phrase is not even saying that. Matter of fact, I mean, you would even look at the phrases all through this epistle and he is, look at verse 3, the first word, beloved. They're already loved. Verse number 17, but beloved. Verse number 20, but ye beloved. There's not a question of God's love for these people. The question is, if they're going to stay in love with him. The phrase, keep yourselves in the love of God, is an admonition to us that we need never to quit loving Him. You say, well, that's impossible. Contrary, I would say, in Revelation 2 verse 4, the great church of Ephesus did that. They left their first love. They left a place of a heart full of love for their God, for their Savior. They were not a... Wicked, apostate church. They just quit loving the Lord like they ought to love the Lord. I do want to look at that little first phrase which brought the question from the man. Keep yourselves. But here's the thing you got to understand. There are things God keeps and then there are things you've got to keep. And they're not the same. Let's just take a little journey through that and see. In verse 24, look at look there. Now unto him that is able to what? Keep you from falling. So God can keep us from falling. I would say there are things in our lives, there is no way that we can sustain our own selves. He's got to keep us from certain pitfalls of life. The Bible tells us in the book of 1 Peter, back a few pages, he says 1 Peter chapter 1, in verse number 5, talking about we who are Saved by the good grace of God and in His family that have been begotten again by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He says, 1 Peter 1.5, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. God keeps people saved and, and nobody could keep themselves saved. God would have to do that. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 12, He said, I know whom I believe. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. There are things God, only God can keep. And yet, there are things that only you can keep. God won't keep them for you. Look at... uh, Look at 1 John chapter 5. As we were starting all these admonitions from the Lord at the end of this chapter in the book of Jude, these are all things that we must do. And so we started entitling that, you must do this. God is not going to do it for you. Your church can't do it for you. Your pastor can't do it for you. Your friends, your family, your parents. You have to do these things. God's not going to to do it. The honest is on you and I to fulfill these words. There are some things in the Christian life that only you can keep. 1 John chapter 5, the Bible says the very last verse, verse number 21, little children... 
keep yourselves. You see that? You've got to do this for yourselves. God's not going to do it for you. Keep yourselves from idols. God's not going to kick out all the idols out of your life. You've got to do that. He's not going to remove the things in your life that are more important to you than God. He won't do that. Now, He can judge them, but it's up to us to keep ourselves from idols. We have that obligation. Not only that, look at James. You keep going that way. James chapter 1. There are things God keeps. There are things that you have to keep. The things you can't keep, He will keep. And the things you can't, that you can keep, He expects you to keep them. James chapter 1, the Bible tells us in verse number 26, If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain, pure religion, and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction, watch it, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. You've got to keep yourself unspotted from the world. God's not going to stop you from sinning. God's not going to stop you from compromising. God's not going to stop you from having a bad relationship with someone that corrupts you. You have got to keep yourself unspotted from the world. God's not going to make your TV blow up. God's not going to take the internet down in the whole universe just because you have an addiction. It's something you have to do. It's something I have to do. We have to keep ourselves. And so here's the thing. We need to quit blaming so many other things. Oh, the generation and oh, and so on. No, I have a, I have, I have a responsibility. Something I got to do. If I'm defiled, guess whose fault it is? Keep himself unspotted from the world. First Peter chapter 5. Or excuse me, 1 Timothy chapter 5. There's things God keeps. Praise God for that. (laughs) You ask me if I'm saved tomorrow, it's not going to be according to how the day went. It's not going to be according to even if if, uh, I got sin in my heart or not. God keeps me saved. But 1 Timothy chapter 5. Verse 22, the Bible says, Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sins. Keep thyself pure. It's on us. Now, having said all that, what is our verse? Keep yourselves. Not your spouse, not your family. Not your church, not your circumstances, not your relationships. Keep yourselves in the love of God. That means we have to constantly guard our hearts about what we love. So many things are working on our hearts to get us to fall out of love with the Lord. This is something only you can do. You know, I think our parents have the best interest for their young people at heart. But you know what you can't do for your kids? 
you can't love God for them. They have to do that for themselves. The best church in the world cannot cause a, a young person to love God. The best church in the world, the best preaching in the world, the best life in the world can't cause anybody to love God. You've got to make that choice and that determination. And here's the danger. Here's the danger. You can, you can have had a time in your life that you did love God. Because remember our, our, our phrase, keep yourselves. It's not that you never loved God. The danger is you did love Him. And things occurred in life and you didn't keep loving Him. Now in the context of this book, what could that be? Well, the book of Jude is about earnestly contending for the faith. That's a fight. That's a battle. All these creeps that have crept in unawares, these ungodly men, people turning the grace of God into lasciviousness, people denying the only Lord God, all of this mess in the book of Jude. Here's, here's what will happen. We can spend all of our time fighting and we can lose sight of our loving. I think David is one of the most interesting men in the Bible because to kill all the people that he killed and still be sweet is a miracle. I mean, you sit down with a guy that could cut your head off just as quick as he could cry with you. <laughs> he was a bloody man. The things that, that he did, I mean, just the things that he did to get engaged. That's enough said with that. You, you take a guy from the battlefield, amen, that spent a long time. I'm not talking about just one tour of duty. I'm talking about year after year of watching death and destruction and and you know what happens to that heart? You can't get that stuff out of your brain. I've told it before. I never forget. I, I had a I had a World War II hero in my church in Virginia. I mean, he had medals. He but he never told anybody about him. He hid him in the closet. Never talked about it. And he asked me to come over before he died. And he was just he, he said. He thought he had done something wrong and he was guilty for God. He didn't think he was ready to meet God because all the people he killed. He was on the ship there in the Philippines there, the Gulf, Leyte Gulf, and he was the gunner and he was good at it. And I mean, he just killed him hip and thigh. And he sat there and I said, I can't get all that out of my mind. I killed all those people. It affects your heart. It affects how you deal with your wife and your kids and your family and your friends and is anybody with me tonight? David didn't do that for a year. And the same guy would grab his instrument and play. And the Spirit of God would roll across that instrument. And he'd sit down and write some of the sweetest things you ever read in your life. How is that possible? 
He kept himself in the love of God. Must be possible. But it sure is difficult. You know what I've watched in Christianity? I've watched people fight the good fight of faith and try to live for God and stand against sin and try to, you know, uh, be hard against the ways of this world. And what I've watched, I've watched, I've watched their hearts get hard. It's great to fight apostasy, but it's just as dangerous to let your heart get hard and you quit loving. It's easy to look at those people as the enemy out there that are apostatizing and filled instead of looking at them like God wants us to look at them. Sort of hard to do that, isn't it? You say, preacher, I thought you were talking about loving God. I am talking about loving God, but here's the problem. If we think we're loving God when we can't love anybody else, we're sort of deceiving ourselves about that thing. So he says, keep yourselves in the love of God because as we spend so much time fighting these things, we need to fight just as hard and work just as hard on loving the Lord because the battle affects our love. Not just the battle. Let me tell you what I've watched. You know, in battles, there's always collateral damage. There are people that get hurt and get killed and that really wasn't part and parcel to the thing and you know what the collateral damage is in the day of apostasy? People go through things and their lives are hurt because of other people's sins. And other people let them down in relationships. And society has made them sick and they've been betrayed and rejected. And maybe they have health problems and persecutions and this is the collateral damage with that. Instead of people just getting bitter at people and hurt at people, it affects the way they view God. In other words, so-and-so has a bad marriage, but it just doesn't end up being a bad marriage. The collateral damage is that I quit loving God like I used to. You understand what I'm saying? I have a fallout with a friend or, or, or other family members or people that I entrusted or I was mistreated, etc. And, 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 and just, just the hurt of that or the disappointment of that, it's not just that. The collateral damage is that all of my energy and frustration is not toward those people. It's affecting my heart toward God. Somebody else wronged me, but I'm indirectly and ultimately taking out on, on God because it's driving me away from Him. I'm letting what's happening in apostasy drive me from Him instead of driving me to Him. It's affecting my heart. And the extent of our love for Jesus Christ really defines our lives, church. The measure of how we love the Lord is going to control everything in our Christian experience. You know when you love the Lord, it will keep you from sin. You know why we sin against God? Because we don't love God like we, like we ought to. We, we don't care how, how it hurts Him. Our, our heart toward God 
controls everything of our Christian experience. Our, our, if we love the Lord like we ought to, it'll keep us through the difficulties of life. It will guide life's decisions. When people start making crazy decisions and, and coming to crazy conclusions, mark, mark it down. Somewhere along the line, they're getting out of sorts with God. I'm, I'm not saying they hate God. I'm not saying they're totally bitter God. But they've not kept themselves in the love of God. That's not the primary concern. But it needs to be the primary concern. Because what did the Lord Jesus tell us in Matthew chapter 22? What what did he say? What did he say was the first and the greatest commandment of all? What is the greatest important thing in your life that you are supposed to constantly guard your heart about? What is it? It's about your own heart and God. Not all the other peripheral stuff. It's about where is my heart with my God? That's the question. Jesus said, Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And just like I preached about you can pray but not pray in the Holy Ghost, you can, you can go to church and not love the Lord. And you can go through the Christian life and not be in the love of God. This is written to the beloved. This is written to those that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called that have mercy and peace and love multiplied on them. They're not a part of this apostate generation. But they, the danger is that they will not keep themselves in the love of God. Do you know? Things only work together for good to the people that love God. So I want to ask you tonight, has society affected you loving God? Do we talk about more what's wrong in the world and around in our lives than how good God is and how wonderful He is and how much we love Him? Do you spend your day getting up in the morning about all the difficulties or do you get up in the morning loving on the Lord and He loves you? You love Him more than you used to? You love Him less than you used to love Him? Our text says in this day of apostasy we must keep yourselves in the love of God. So my question is, how do I do that? I could preach to you all day about that, but I need to try to get to some answer about, okay, if I've got to keep myself in love with God, how do I do that? You want to look at a few verses, or are you done with it? How do I do that? I want to do that. I need it. How do I do it? First John chapter 5. First John chapter 5, the Bible says in verse number 3, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. It sounds simple, but if you're going to keep yourself in the love of God, just as this verse says, you've got to keep doing what God tells you to do. You say, preacher, what does that got to do with loving God? Uh, you ask the Lord. He wrote that in the Bible. This is the love of God. 
How do I keep myself in the love of God? Well, if I'm not keeping His commandments, and probably my heart's drifting away if I start to think His commandments are starting to be a little overbearing. Because His commandments, it'll check my heart. Do I have to do this? Why do I have to do this? You watch it, man. I've seen, I've watched Christians for a long time. They fall out of love with the Lord. They, they quit doing what God's told them to do. And they got a reason for it. I want to keep loving God. Well, keep doing what He tells you to do. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, he says, verse number 16, Here, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because He laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, verse 17, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, watch it, how dwelleth the love of God in him. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and truth. He said, you want to keep yourself in the love of God, you need to quit talking about how much you love God and start showing somebody. You know what I've noticed? When we fall out of love with God, we start having a problem with everybody. Yeah. Got a problem with everybody. Can't help anybody. How do I keep myself in the love of God? I keep doing what God told me to do. I keep reaching out to people. Because it'll help my heart. You know what'll help your heart? Go to the nursing home. Still, somebody else is hurting. Somebody else, not you, somebody else. And minister to them and help them. And preferably, somebody you don't really care for. You got to put that in there. Maybe a stranger. You want to keep yourself in the love of God? How dwelleth the love of God in him? It's leaving you because you're pulling away from everybody. And the more you pull away from people, you're pulling away from God. Oh, no, I'm not. Oh, yes, you are. No, I'll argue with you, but you're, you're not right. 1 John chapter 2. Verse 15. Do you know a message like this applies to everybody in this room? Do you know you'll never be holy enough where you don't need a message like this? 1 John chapter 2, the Bible says in verse number 15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, watch it, the love of the Father is not in him. He has left the love of the Father because He's loving other things. How do you keep yourselves in the love of God? Quit loving His rivals. Quit loving other things more than Him. Quit loving the world. The world is a trash dump. Everything in it. 
I built that house and I wished I'd never built that house. You know why? All the things in the world glitter, but they ain't nothing to it. There's something to God. So why am I infatuated with something instead of let, be, let my heart being infatuated with God? Love not the world. I could preach on that, but I've already preached through 1 John, so we won't do that. How do I keep myself in the love of God? Go to 1 Corinthians 8. Well, this is, this is probably a little important point here. If you're going to keep yourselves in the love of God, you're going to have to recognize when you're out of the love of God. You know, some people don't ever recognize when they fall out of love with the Lord. They don't, they don't recognize when they leave that place of, of love, it just drifts away, and before they know it, their heart's in a different place. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, the Bible said in verse number 3, But if any man love God, the same is known of him. I would tell you, if you really want to know, all you have to do is ask somebody that's really honest with you. <laughs> you said, no, people don't. I'm reading the Bible. It doesn't say, if any man love God, he knows it. <laughs> he says, if any man love God... The same is known of him. Everybody else knows it. And the sad thing is, everybody else can know you don't except you. Do you remember the little conversation Jesus had with Peter? And three times he says, Peter, do you love me? Don't give me this agape stuff either. I don't know where that came in. That's just junk. I don't even mean that. Y'all quit interrupting me like that. <laughs> Peter, do you love me? So a guy tried to preach that one time. He said, Jesus said, Peter, do you agap me? <laughs> and he said, do you love me? Peter's like, Yeah. And Jesus brought that train around again. Hey, Peter, i got something to ask you. Sure, Lord. Do you love me? Lord, you know everything. He sure does. And you don't, Buster. And you think you love him, but he knows you really don't. Lord, thou, thou knowest that I love thee. Well, then why is he asking so many times? Is that a good question? If this is a foregone conclusion, and Peter is convinced that Jesus, Jesus, you know I love you. You, you know that. Evidently not, or he wouldn't be asking. So he, he brought the train around the third time. And when he came the third time, Peter gets grieved. 
You know why he gets grieved? He gets grieved because it's dawning on him. Maybe he doesn't know his heart like he thinks he knows his heart. And he's grieved because that third time reminds him of those three times that he said, I don't know him. And maybe he's reminded how confident that he was the night before. And he said, Lord, if I should die with thee, I will not deny thee. Pretty confident. But he did. He's pretty confident that he loves the Lord. But the Lord's not so confident about it. Could it be that God could help us examine our hearts to really see if we really do love Him, to recognize that we're falling out of love with the Lord? I've heard people come up to me before, you know, tell me, I don't love my spouse, I don't love my wife anymore, I don't love my... I've heard that, but I've never heard a Christian come up and say, Preacher, I just don't love the Lord anymore. You tell me there's none out there? The phrase would not be in the Bible if all of us can't be seriously guilty of it. And so many things we're guilty of, we never recognize. But you know what we do, church? I'll tell you what we do. We say, well, God, I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't cuss people out, I don't do, I don't do dope, I'm not looking at pornography, at least in the last year I haven't. And... Uh, I go to church and I went to Sunday school and I pray every now and then and I try to dress right. Sure, I love you. That, that's, that's not the same thing. That's not the same question. And so we talk ourselves into thinking everything all right and our hearts have wandered far away from God and we don't even recognize it. How do I keep myself in the love of God? Would you go to Philippians chapter 4? I can't really teach anybody. I, I, I told somebody I, some of these last few things I borrowed from another message I preached years and years ago. I, I said I taught my children how to serve God, but I didn't know how to teach them to love the Lord. I taught my children how to do right. I taught my children how to do right, but I don't know that I did a great job teaching them how to love the Lord. I don't really even know how to teach somebody to love the Lord very well. How do you teach somebody how to love? It's not an easy question. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about someone else. How do you get in their heart? How do you get in their mind? How do you lead them to the place where Christ is all in all in their mind? It's not do's and don'ts. It's not follow the rules. It's not... How do you get on the inside?
inside and let them know that Jesus is the most wonderful thing in the world. You can scream it at them. You can tell them. You can make them write it a thousand times. But how do you really get them to love God? How is that taught? Or is it caught? How can you have some church members that are so in love with Jesus and they hear the same preaching someone else hears and it's not the same. I don't really know that I can teach anyone how to love God, but maybe I can teach someone how to keep themselves in the love of God if they ever get there. Is that fair? Philippians 4, how do I keep myself in the love of God? Philippians 4, verse 5, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall... What's the next three words? Do you see that? Shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. It doesn't just say it'll keep them at peace. It It just said it'll keep your heart. Keep your heart where it needs to be with everything. That means if I will make a conscious effort to keep myself in the love of God, it means that I'm constantly going to God in prayer and I'm not just talking to Him, but I'm bringing those prayers with thanksgiving and I'm making my requests be made known to God and I'm not full of cares with all the things. You can have care, but you don't have to be full of care. Go dump it out at the throne. I remember one night, I was so full, and I couldn't sleep. Amen. I was so full of burden, and, and my mind wouldn't stop, and I couldn't sleep, and I'm, I'm just at my wit's end with this problem I'm trying to figure out, and help somebody I remember years ago. And I, I finally just got up my, start talking to God, and I said, God, would you please take this away? I can't take this no more. I don't know what to do with it. Don't know how to think about it. Can't help it. You take this while I go to bed. I don't want to be full of it anymore. Be careful for nothing. I don't want to, I don't want to be full of the cares. You say, well, how, how do you do that? Well, part of it is this Thanksgiving thing. You want to keep yourself in the love of God? Stay grateful. Stay thankful. Practice it. Get in your car and thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. You know, I've watched young people, and they, they, ain't, got a, they ain't got a stitch of love of God in, in any of their boots, amen, any of their hearts. And you know what I've noticed about every one of them? They ain't thankful for a thing. And I'm not just talking about young people. I'm, kids, uh, adults are the same way. You find somebody that's always complaining and murmuring and they're not thankful and they're not appreciative and their heart's not filled with gratitude toward God. Mark it down. The love relationship is over. So he said, be careful for nothing but by everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And... The peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts. 
You do your part. You do the praying. You do the thinking. And let God do His part and bring the peace. But we can't blame God if we've not done our part. How much time do we spend thanking the Lord, really? Come on, guys. Come on. We have to have a holiday to help us do that. You want to stay in the love of God? Start thanking Him for everything. Thank Him your bowels work. You say, why do you say that? Well, some of you need to wake up. Did yours work today? Did you thank him? Guys, we just expect God to just make everything keep going right instead of thanking him that he's keeping it together. I grabbed that one because it's an extreme one because I bet there ain't nobody in this building that thank God for that today. You've got a million things to thank the Lord for. And when we don't do it, it just shows we've not kept ourselves in the love of God. Psalm 116, I've got just a couple more, we'll be done. Psalm 116. Psalm 116, verse 1, the Bible says, I love the Lord because. You see that? The psalmist is saying, this is is what's helped keep me in the love of God. I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications. God ever answered one of your prayers in your whole life? That ought to make you love him. If you'll remember how many prayers he answered. It might help you stay in love with the Lord. If you could remember how many times he's talked to you. Has God ever got down and talked to you? And put his arm around you and just. Can you. If you'll remember those times. You know what that'll do for your heart. It'll help you. It'll keep you in the love of God. If you'll remember that he actually hears your prayers and your supplication. And his ears are open under your cry. But many times it's not. If God has hurt us in the past or done something for us in the past, it's what has he done for me lately and why are things aren't different now. I want to say how you can love the Lord. I'll give you two more things and I'm finished. You can be turning to Luke chapter 7. While you're turning to Luke chapter 7, I want to say this to you. You can keep yourself in the love of God by choosing to do so. You can make that choice. While you're turning to Luke 7, the Song of Solomon, that, of course, that's a song of love. And it says in Song of Solomon seven twelve, There will I give thee my loves. Love is a choice you give. You give it away. That's why the Bible says you can love a stranger. How can you love a stranger? You don't know anything about a stranger. He told them to love the strangers. How can you do that? You just choose to do it. You don't know anything about their background. You just said, okay, I'm going to love on this guy. I'm going to love on this family. How do you love your neighbor? 
Don't tell me you get goosebumps down your spine about all your neighbors. You have to choose to love your neighbor. How do you love your enemies? You just choose to do what God told you to do and do it. How do you love your wife? How do you love your husband? Guys, it's a choice. It's a choice. How do I love the Lord? I choose to love Him. I want to love Him. I need to love Him. I will love Him. It's my decision. Luke chapter 7. Jesus is in somebody's house. And the guy's a Pharisee. And this wicked woman comes in the house. And she begins washing his feet, Jesus' feet with her tears. Bible says that in verse 38. And she's kissing his feet. And all this Pharisee can think of is how inappropriate this is that this woman that's a sinner is doing all this to Jesus' feet. And Jesus said, Simon, I, I got something to say to you. He said, Master, say on. 41, there was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay... He frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thy house. Thou gavest me no water from my feet. But she hath washed my feet with tears. And wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss. But this woman since the time I came in. Hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint. But this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. How do I keep myself in the love of God? I remember how great things God has had to forgive in my life. And God had to forgive both of these people the same amount. They needed the same amount of grace. They needed the same amount of mercy. But one of them didn't think they needed that much forgiveness. 
And the one whose heart was so in love with Jesus, she knew how sinful she was. And she knew how much Jesus had forgiven her of. And her heart was overwhelmed with love. And we lose our love for Jesus Christ when we fail to remember how very much God has forgiven us of. Keep yourselves in the love of God.